Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Kelly, Kentucky UFO shootout. That's correct, the Kelly, Kentucky UFO shootout. Now, this shootout happened back in August of 1955. There's a very interesting uh, video that's come out on this, a documentary uh, on the Discovery Channel. And I have a link there at the website. Uh, they've got about a 10-minute, 9.5-minute uh, excerpt from that. Fascinating stuff. It looks like it's really well done. They're interviewing the daughter of, the, of one of the guys involved, the main character. Her name is Geraldine Sutton. And she talks about how back in 1955, this is before she was born, in fact, her dad, Lucky Sutton, and his then-wife, Vera Sutton, they're working a carnival. And they've got a couple friends with them, uh, Billy Ray and Jim Taylor. They all decide uh, they're just a few miles from uh, Lucky's mom's house. She lives out in the country there in Kelly, Kentucky, this tiny little hamlet. And they decide to go there and take a couple days off. Well, while they're there, things get really wild. It turns out they're all in the house. And this is clear back in 1955. Evidently, no running water. Not uncommon uh, at that time in those parts. Billy Ray decides to go out and get some water out of the well. He's thirsty. So he goes outside and he sees this flying saucer come over. And then uh, back over across the way there, he goes running back into the house and announces to everybody what he's seen. Well, nobody takes him too serious, but... Geraldine relates how her father, Lucky, decides that they're going to go out and have a look. And when they do, they see the ship. They see this alien coming toward them. Now, she describes this as a three-and-a-half-foot-tall, and she uses the word furry creature, but very long arms. The description on this thing kind of varies. Now, she says furry there. Uh, it's also been described as metallic and gray, and then was also reported in the paper as green, but it looks at best as if this thing was some sort of a gray collar and it had some kind of texture to it now she's telling us a story as her father told her that's what she says we're going to look at a couple different reports on this this is really uh an interesting uh, involved encounter because what happens is these guys go back inside and as they're huddling in the house there they can hear what sounds like the like n nails like claws scurrying across the top of the tin roof they believe that they're under attack these lucky and billy they grab a couple guns and uh, somebody thinks they see one in a tree and they start firing and they and they have a shootout a ufo shootout i guess you could call it, or alien shootout with these things and it just all, all kinds of chaos breaks out afterwards after things calm down they go to the sheriff it comes out does an investigation, says, sorry, can't help you. But two things very strange to me are reported in this video that you don't see in a lot of the reporting on this. Number one, uh, Lucky's mother sold the house and the little farm she had there within two weeks and moved to town. She didn't feel comfortable living in there anymore. She was that impacted. If this would have been a hoax, I can't imagine that she, that would have led her to sell her place. And secondly, it was reported that there was a UFO crash a few miles away where the army came in and did a complete cleanup on it. And Geraldine talks about a deathbed confession she uh, had heard about from a fellow who was involved in that. So you have this really 
uh, bizarre situation where people feel that they're under threat by these things to the point where they're firing on them with shotguns. Law enforcement does uh, just kind of a cursory investigation, says nothing to see here. But then you have what happens so often with these cases where you have the stuff happening down the road, where you have a reported UFO crash, where you have the army showing up. What impresses me maybe as much about this is how Lucky's mother was so impacted by it that she sold the place and moved to town because she just didn't feel comfortable living there anymore after that really being terrorized by these aliens entities, whatever they were. Now, I want to get into a couple of different articles and look at this, and we can kind of compare and contrast the facts that reported on this some 65 years later. Now, I want to look at this first article here from the dailyyonder.com. That's the dailyyonder.com. It says, uh, Legend of Little Green Men Invading Kelly, Kentucky Continues, written by Liz Carey, dated October 22nd, 2021. And they do a, a, a uh, annual celebration down there it looks like and we get into the article just a little bit here and it says on august 21st 1955 two families a total of 11 people flooded into hopkinsville police department their eyes wide with terror their house they said had come under attack from beings from another planet according to police reports from the witnesses it all started about 7 p.m it was a hot Sunday night on the Sutton farm. Police reports indicate the family of Lucky Sutton, which included a 50-year-old widow and matriarch, Glennie Langford, four of her sons, including Lucky, two of the son's wives, a brother-in-law, and, a, and the widow's three younger children, ages 12, 10, and 7, were gathered in the unpainted three-room house to visit with the family friend, Billy Ray Taylor, and his wife, June. Taylor had worked with Lucky in traveling carnivals and was visiting from Pennsylvania. Around 7 p.m., Taylor went outside to fetch some water. Now, this part here apparently is not correct because uh, they're, they're saying in the article here that it was Taylor that went out to, to fetch the water. And if you uh, watch the video from this Discovery uh, documentary where they're talking to uh, Lucky's daughter, Geraldine, she specifically says that it was Billy Ray that went out to fetch the water, but just a minor detail, I suppose. It goes on, it says, around 7 p.m., Taylor went outside to fetch some water. Of course, we know that's Billy Ray from the backyard well. While out there, some reports indicate he saw a silver-colored object, quote, real bright with an exhaust, all the colors of the rainbow. The object, he said, came silently toward the house, passed over it, and then stopped in midair before dropping straight to the ground. Now, that's what Geraldine describes when she's relating the story that her dad told her. When Taylor went back into the house, of course, this would be Billy Ray, the Sutton family la laughed off his experience. Now, she didn't say that. She said that what, the way she made it sound was is that as soon as Billy Ray came back in the house, her and her father, Lucky, uh, went to investigate. But newspaper reports indicate about an hour later, the family's dog began barking. Lucky Sutton and Taylor went to the back door to investigate and saw a strange glow in the backyard, in the middle of which was a small human-like creature, about three and a half feet tall, with an oversized head, almost perfectly round. The creature had arms that extended almost to the ground, hands with talons on them, and oversized glowing eyes, yellow glowing eyes. 
The body, they said, gave off an eerie shimmer in the light as if made from silver metal. Now we can imagine they saw these talons out of these fingers, and so they would have assumed that uh, what they were hearing on the roof that night was in fact those talons that they seen, and no wonder they got scared. We're told it was then that the two men grabbed their guns, a 20 gauge shotgun and a 22 caliber rifle and opened fire on one of the little gray men. That's quotes, little gray men. In response, the little man did a flip, righted himself and then fled into the darkness. Not long after the men reported seeing a creature in the side window of the house. They opened fire on it through the window screen where it once again flipped and disappeared. Mrs. Lankford, of course this would be Lucky's mom, Geraldine's grandma, told Isabel Davis, author of Close Encounters at Kelly and Others of 1955, she witnessed a creature too. So we have multiple people witnessing this thing. I went out in the hallway and crouched down next to Billy. When I saw one approaching the door, Mrs. Lankford said, it looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator. Mrs. Langford reported that she and the creature stared at each other, inches apart from one another, and separated by the window screen for some time. At this point, Taylor reportedly ran onto the porch to confront the creature. Witnesses inside the house said a claw-like hand reached down from the porch's roof and touched Taylor's hair. Those inside grabbed Taylor and pulled him back into the house while Lucky shot at the overhang and then at the other creatures he said he saw in trees nearby. Each time, the creatures evaded bullets and then floated to the ground before running off into the woods, the group reported. Here we have this floating, this levitating, kind of like what we see down there in Peru with the, with the face peelers. For the next couple of hours, the group stayed inside the house, listening to scratches on the roof, guns ready for any further attack. Eventually, around 11 p.m., the group made a break for their cars and took off toward the Hopkinsville police station. So for four hours, they're terrorized by these things. Once there, the eight adults and three children ran into the station. One thing was for certain, police said. They were genuinely terrified. These aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help, Police Chief Russell Greenwald later told Kentucky New Era newspaper. What they do is reach for their guns. Investigators descended on the farm. Hopskinville police and state troopers came to investigate, but no evidence was found that indicated the farm had been visited by aliens. No tracks of little green men were found, nor were there any marks indicating anything had landed. Investigators did find bullet holes in the screen door and shell cases on the ground, however. Eventually, investigators left, but apparently the creatures didn't. The Suttons reported the men reappeared around 3.30 that morning. Naturally, the incident was picked up by the news in the area and then spread across the country. Somewhere along the way, the Suttons were misquoted and little gray men were turned into little green men. It was the first time the phrase was used to describe extraterrestrials, and it has been a term for referring to extraterrestrials since. Now that's amazing. Just think about that, how powerful the media is, that they get the name wrong one time and it sticks with this for 60, 70 years. In fact, news of the Sutton Farm encounter garnered a reaction from Washington, D.C. According to Associated Press reports at the time, Senate Republicans in Congress thought that the little green men were likely Democrats searching for candidates and that the opposing party's members were green with envy at the popularity of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. UFOlogists say the incident is important for several reasons. First and foremost, the contact between humanoid occupants of a spacecraft 
and earthlings. The Kelly humanoids were among the earliest occupant reports associated with UFOs in the U.S., said Thomas Bullard, UFOologist with the Center for UFO Studies. Most examples prior to 1955 described Space Brothers here to warn us against nuclear weapons and to invite us to join the interplanetary community and had no credibility as factual events. More credible accounts have come from Europe and South America in 1954, but the only well-known U.S. example was from Flatwoods Monster, West Virginia, in 1952. Now, the uh, article goes on, talks a little bit about the debunking nonsense, uh, claiming that it, it was nothing but a horned owl. And then it, it kind of gives us some insight into uh, the attitude of people at that time. It says, some of the reporters and sightseers subjected the family to cruel ridicule tramped across the property and even barged into the house despite requests from Mrs. Lankford and orders from Lucky to go away, Bullard said. These witnesses had to be country bumpkins and their story a tall tale, perhaps the result of moonshine, even though Mrs. Lankford had a strict rule of no alcohol in the house. Her sterling reputation for honesty among the people who knew her and who took the event seriously once they learned she was a witness weighed nothing on the scales of judgment for the gawkers and curiosity seekers. Well, Let's face it, there was so much uh, you know, bad blood out there with all of the nonsense put out by the government, the debunkers, and the naysayers, that even a lady like this, uh, Mrs. Lankford, who had reputation as a very honest and decent person, uh, her reputation was smeared just like all the other folks who reported UFOs at that time. It says in an article that the family basically was scattered to the winds. That's not really exactly what the, uh, this lady, Geraldine Sutton, says in this uh uh, discovery documentary she apparently she seems to be still kind of in the area and she doesn't really talk a lot about the uh, debunking or the harassment from uh, locals that drove this gal to move in town to an apartment she just says she was afraid to live there so and i have to go back to the source on this i mean this is not a bad article it gets a lot of the facts in there a couple of the things seem to disagree with what geraldina said and if i'm going to pick a side in this i would have to go with Geraldine, who is actually uh, the experiencer, Lucky Sutton's daughter, who was actually there and witnessed this thing. It seems like so often uh, details get kind of lost over the years. Now, I'm going to look at this next article from history.com, but I'll just point out that this stuff is all uh, linked at the Buy Me a Coffee website. And you can go there at the uh, buymeacoffee.com site and look this up under the UFO warning. Uh, somebody had asked about uh, the videos I had referenced from some UFO sightings a few days ago. Uh, hey, where can we find those? Well, you can find them at Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, if you can't get to Buy Me a Coffee directly, you can go to the, my warning sub UFO Twitter site if you can find that. Uh, Twitter, to me, is, is such a clunky site that the Buy Me a Coffee site's actually easier and better to use, I think. So, like I said, I put the stuff over there. Of course, as always, thanks for the folks that support the program there and at Spotify. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow. Okay, so this next article comes to us from uh, history.com. Now, the title of this article is How the Little Green Men Phenomena Began on a Kentucky Farm. It says, uh, the 11 witnesses who arrived at the Hopkinsville Police Station were generally terror-struck. This is written by Volker Jansen, dated September 14th, 2023. We've got a pretty cool illustration here, I think, from the time J. Allen Heineken says, investigated this apparently, and it has a detailed description of this critter they saw. Kind of has these bat-like ears on it, uh, very round head with these little eyes almost to the side, no neck, it says. Really a gremlin-like uh, creature. 
It starts off, it says, why are aliens so often depicted as little green men with bulbous heads and oversized eyes? The mythology began in part on the night of August 21st, 1955, when a large extended family called the Suttons arrived breathlessly at the Hopkinsville Police Station in southwestern Kentucky. Their story of a terrifying siege by otherworldly beings would become one of the most detailed and baffling accounts of an alien close encounter on record, notable for the large number of witnesses, nearly a dozen, the duration of the encounter, several hours, when we learned four hours, and the close proximity between the witnesses and creatures, sometimes just a few feet away. The incident became regional and even national news. The alleged encounter occurred on the Sutton's farm in the tiny rural hamlet of Kelly, Kentucky, where the family lived in an unpainted three-room house without running water, telephone, or radio, TV, or books. Of all the details of their story, the UFO landing and the appearance of a small alien creature is one fact is indisputable. When the eight adults and three children arrived at the nearby Hopkinsville police station at about 11 p.m., they were genuinely terror-struck. These aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help, Police Chief Russell Greenwald later told investigators. What they do is reach for their guns. Well, we know they did that. Yet here they were, women and children, hysterically, and one man with a pulse of 140 beats per minute measured by an investigator. And then it has a picture of this creature again. It says uh, that uh, figure 10, little man, as described by Elmer Sutton, J.C. Sutton, and O.P. Baker, drawn by Andrew Bud Ledwith. Quite a creature. I mean, now, the, the arms on this thing just almost touch the ground. This could be a situation where these things are trying to uh, take on some form as close as they can to whatever uh, is in their environment. So you have basically a creature with two legs, two arms, a head, but they just don't quite get things right. Maybe there's some other animals around this thing's drawing information off of. It's almost like if you just toss in a bunch of different creatures and, with the primary ones being humans and ask AI to make you a picture. That's kind, of, that's kind of what I get from these things. I don't know. According to accounts given to the police, at about 7 p.m. on the hot sunny evening, the Sutton family, friend Billy Ray Taylor, was fetching water from the backyard well when he saw a silvery object, real bright with an exhaust, all the colors of the rainbow. As he later recounted, it, it came silently toward the house, passed over it, stopped in the air, and then dropped straight to the ground. Taylor, 21, and his 18-year-old wife had come from Pennsylvania to visit Lucky Sutton, with whom he had worked on a traveling carnival. The Sutton's 50-year-old widow and matriarch, Glennie Lankford, her two older sons and their wives, her brother-in-law, and the widow's three younger children, 12, 10, and 7. It didn't take Billy Ray didn't take Billy Ray seriously, laughing off his UFO account. An hour later, alerted by the dog's incessant barking, Lucky and Billy Ray went back to the door and made out a strange glow in the midst of which they spied a small humanoid creature. About three and a half feet tall, it had an oversized head, almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground, hands had talons, and its oversized eyes glowed with a yellowish light. The body gave off an eerie shimmer in the light of the night's new moon, they said, as if made of silver metal. Terrified, the two men grabbed the 20-gauge shotgun and a 22 rifle and fired at the little man, its hands now raised as if it held up at gunpoint as it came toward the back door. They reported it then did a flip, scrambled upright, and fled into darkness. Shortly after, the men saw a similar creature appear in a side window and fired through the window screen. Still impervious to bullets, the little man again flipped and disappeared. 
I went out in the hallway and crouched down next to Billy, and when I saw one approaching the door, Mrs. Lankford told Isabel Davis, author of an extensive report called Close Encounter at Kelly and Others 1955, it looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was shimmering bright metal, like on my refrigerator. So we have this saying, like they said, it looks almost metallic. It doesn't seem to have any reaction other than just flipping when when it's shot at. I'm imagining these guys are pretty good shots. Anyway, the article goes on, then talks about how the shootout continued, just like we saw before. Finally, uh, they went to the they went to the police. Of course, who weren't able to do anything for them. And then we talks a little bit about the aftermath of what happened when these folks had reported this thing, and it really made the news. And it gets down into the article a little bit. It says, while the incident eventually attracted the attention of Air Force UFO Investigative Pro Program Project Blue Bug, documents suggest that his team never officially pursued the matter beyond checking in with their Fort Campbell counterparts who had been briefly at the scene the first night. Now, that's a little that's a little detail here that's important because uh, when you read most of these articles, it doesn't say anything about the Army being there. They say, well, the sheriff showed up and the state police showed up, which we would expect that. But what on earth was the Army doing there from Fort Campbell? You have to ask yourself, who called them? And that goes along with this statement uh, by Geraldine Sutton that she had heard from a, from that somebody had taken a deathbed confession from a person who, who had been at a UFO uh, re crash recovery site a few miles away that the army did. So you, we, this happens so often in these cases, you have this spectacular case, but in the background you have something happening. So you have the interaction between these aliens and this Kentucky family. But what never seems to get any attention is this is this uh, UFO crash that was said to have happened down the road a few miles, okay? And you might just write that off, but here we see from history.com that there was a crew there from Fort Campbell for just a little while that night. Now, those guys got there pretty quick, and what were they doing there? Now, the article finishes up there a little bit with this uh, investigation that was done by Davis kind of just runs over the same thing that we're told and then it talks a little bit about the uh, skeptic investigation which we don't really care about but this is what I take away from this this article it's just a fascinating uh, situation where you have this spaceship that is observed by these uh, people in Kentucky in 1955 you have this alien scene uh, coming out of the craft they go in the house, they get the guns, they feel like they're under attack, they shoot at this thing a couple different times. Multiple people see the alien. They feel like this thing's kind of coming into the house. And what's weird about this is that it doesn't come in. It's almost like this universal law where they have to be invited in, kind of like this law of the vampire, you know, it just can't come into your house, it has to be invited in. There's something really weird going on here. I don't quite understand it. But beyond that, what fascinates me about this case is what seems like almost like a cover-up uh, by just ignoring the facts. And the fact that it looks like there was another crash that happened just a few miles down the road. We have this deathbed confession. We have this documentation of this Army team being there from Fort Gamble, Campbell investigating uh, the Sutton incident. But then it just disappears. Nobody seems to follow the trail. Nobody seems to follow the lead. And 
it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I understand why uh, uh, Mrs. Lankford would have left that house, you know, being scared half to death, and all the harassment that she had to put up with the people out there clanking around. But what I don't understand is why we don't have more investigation into this potential crash that happened to this probably exact same UFO down the road just a few miles, which is, and the idea that this crash happened is actually corroborated by the fact that we had a team of Army investigators show up at the Sutton House the same night, the same time as these uh, county sheriff's department and the state patrol. So I think there's something bigger that happened here. Something that's, that, you know, that, that we're not supposed to know about. I mean, it's okay for a story to get out there uh, of a couple of uh, backwoodsmen having a shootout with aliens because they figure, well, no one's going to believe that. But what they don't want to get out, what they don't want to talk about, what they don't want to investigate is why was the army there? And why was the army there so quickly? Had they been tracking this thing? And secondly, what nobody seems to want to talk about is this deathbed confession that Geraldine Sutton talks about, about this UFO that crashed and how the army had sent out a recovery team just a few miles down the road. As always with these things, you've got the story uh, that they tell us, and we can all argue about that, whether or not it's true, but there's always this story behind the story that never seems to get the attention that it deserves. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.